Hello everyone, it is September 17th and you're listening to the best podcast. My name is Griffin Reynolds and I'm joined today not by BJ Guest, but by another best pal, Ben Daniel. Ben Hello. Daniel, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Glad to have you. Glad and proud, man. Glad and proud. Glad and proud. Um, well, BJ is not here today because he and his wife Megan have had their second child. Ruth. Ruth. Baby Ruth. They had Ruth this morning at 9.30 in the morning, and um, we're so happy for them. But, obviously, BJ couldn't leave his wife and new child at the hospital to come record a podcast, no. so here we are. Um, ben, introduce yourself. Tell everybody who you are. Hello. Uh, I am Ben, maybe the second best pal. Ooh. Who knows? Um, I'm a fourth-year medical student at the Medical College of Georgia, applying to residency this year, and I'm also a avid video gamer and a lot of what i know from video games i got from griffin himself so <laughs> well that is a <laughs> great resume and a shining um praise coming from you i don't know man if you're my main input into video games i'm out of luck i think so. <laughs> yeah i think so too <laughs> um so i'm so happy to have you visiting me for the past couple of days other than that what have you been up to this week been playing anything watching anything yeah so for the listeners here, I guess they may or may not know that Griffin's right next to a mountain range, so I've been hiking a bit, but when I'm back in his house gaming it up, we played a little Borderlands 3 together. We did. Yeah. And we'll get into that shortly. Um, I did that Crash Bandicoot team racing Mm-hmm. Little well. CTR. Yeah, man. It was pretty fun. I did that today. And then beyond that, I've just been kind of watching Netflix, hanging you know, hanging, yeah. watching one of our favorite animes. Yeah, I hate to admit that I like anime. You know, we did a whole episode about that, and so now it's on the table. Okay, good, good. I'm glad that's <laughs> it's on not the table. a it's not a um, hidden secret. Cool. I've got like a preamble lined up. You know, like I like anime, but it's not what you think. Type yeah. Thing. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Brotherhood specifically. I was like, Please annotate that at the yeah. end. Yeah. Um, that's the one I like better and it's my second watch Mm. and I'm really enjoying it. Oh, it's so good. Um, but as far as I go, I've been chugging away at fire emblem, three houses getting towards the end and I'm really excited. Yeah. Um, I really want to, you know, see the end of that game and, um, it has replayability because there's three houses. I picked one line, so I'm only seeing, you know, and there's all the stories are intermingled, but there's things I'm missing from the other. Right. So at some point I will a hundred percent be doing another playthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm excited to finish that to really dig into Borderlands three, mm. which yes. is what you and I've uh, played a little bit of that last night. What are your first impressions of that after we played for a couple of hours? Um, they've really stayed true to the original game mechanics. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any real mix-ups or huge changes to how you play the game. It's a new batch of characters with new specials, so all of that's new. Right. But when it comes to character design and the feel of the game and the flow of the game, that's all the same to me. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have played any of the prior Borderlands games, you can drop into this one, and there's no learning curve. Oh, absolutely. You're picking up right where you left off, mm-hmm. I think. What oh, I completely agree. Um, looks more polished. There's, you know, the skill tree looks the same, but, you know, with at the same time having new characters, I feel everything feels very familiar. Um, but 
you know, we were having some stuttering issues, some frame rate drops. Yeah, I didn't know if that we were going to get into this. Oh, we're getting into that. Um, okay. Because the, with this game having such great positives, yes, the negatives that I think Ben and I are going to be bringing to the table are very much related to how we like to play these games right. is sitting on the same couch, split screen. Couch co-op. Um, we played through all of two together, no, and the two and the pre-sequel. I yeah. think we did both of those together. The only one we haven't played through together, as far as I'm aware, is Borderlands 1. Right. But I agree. I we think did the other two. We did the other two. Um, and, you know, in the past, we've... <laughs> right before it happened to us, I joked around about how in... Uh, I think it was two. Yeah. Um, we were fighting a boss, and, like, this, I mean, the screen stutter got so bad that it was down to, like, close to single-digit yeah, frame rate. Yeah, frame rate. rate it was awful. <laughs> um, and we kind of got into that in this one because it's, you know, they put a lot into that game. It's very polished. There's a lot going on. Um, I've got a PlayStation 4 Pro that we were playing on hooked up to an LG OLED 65-inch, um, which is a lot to push from. And know, it looked gorgeous Oh, f- when the frames were moving. Right. And yeah. I selected performance over resolution to try to help alleviate that yeah which it did in a lot of circumstances but anytime we open a menu we would have to have a menu warning right have to say to the other person hey i'm about to open the menu if you're in combat get the heck out of there because the game's about to freeze yeah i mean because you you hit the button and then it's literally almost a whole second and then it's like a a jump yeah it's ridiculous it's really and then I think at one point last night, right before we ended, we both had the menu open and then the game just crashed. Yeah, yeah. We, we had that error screen and it crashed the game. Yeah, it crashed yeah. the game. And I was like, well, ready to go to bed. And that yeah. was the end of it. Um, but we're definitely going to get into more of that and see if we, you know, if it's still enjoyable to have the couch co-op experience with, you know, and I think it's doable with the menu opening warnings that we were having. But I mean, if it's going to crash the game, then I think that, you know, <clears throat> Granted, it does have the online multiplayer feature, which we could totally play from your house to my house. But at the same time, I really enjoy the split screen aspect because it's one of the few right. games that I feel like we can still do that in. I think I think this game of any game glitching out on the co-op aspect is indicative of the cultural shift in gaming. Right. To where everything has gone away from couch co-op mm-hmm. and i get it you know if you don't have couch co-op you sell more consoles because mm-hmm. instead of having four people on the couch playing the same game a la smash a la halo a la all those games we played in the past well then of those four people you only need one to own the console right but if you put the onus on everybody's gotta have their own console you're gonna make a ton more money oh for sure and i get that but i always thought and I guess I'm naive in this. I always thought that Borderlands would be one of those few titles mm-hmm. that would always have the couch co-op experience. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, I hope not, but could be a signal that it's like, man, they're going the other way too. You know, yeah. they're, they're not going to put as much time on couch co-op and you see it in all of those mm-hmm. glitches that we've had with the menus. Right. And I feel like if you, you know, kind of, well, I would hope it would be more focus tested than it is now. Yeah. I guess is the way, what I meant to say. And I wish that, you know, I would take a bigger resolution drop to have the frame rate be up, you know, cause I understand it's a lot for a console to process to have, 
you know, full, you know, full single player gameplay split up into two different sure. screens. There's a lot going on on screen, sure. a lot for the system to process. You know, I would have taken a frame, like a um, resolution drop because I understand that to keep the game moving at the pace it's supposed to right. be moving. Right. It might not look as great, but that's okay. You know, it's, it's one thing to give up resolution in a realistic game. Mm-hmm. But this game is stylized to begin with. Mm-hmm. Nobody looks at a Borderlands game and says, man, that's super realistic. Oh, right. They look it's- at it and they say, man, that's like comic book come to life, mm-hmm. right? So if you had more room for potential lack of resolution, it would be in Borderlands over any other game. Right. I mean, imagine trying to do that with, I don't know, The Witcher, for instance. Oh, yeah. You know, you, know, you don't want... <laughs> I installed so many mods on PC to make The Witcher look literally like real life right because that's the goal <laughs> right you know but that's not the goal of borderlands exactly it's a separate beast a separate animal mm-hmm. so and you know i still think i'm gonna have a great time with it when yeah. it's running great and i'm you know of course you, we could still play together when you go home but you know it's still not gonna be the couch co-op experience yeah. that you know we've come to love from that game series yeah oh well We've talked a lot. <laughs> that was a topic in itself. Um, in case you didn't know, Borderlands Three came out this week, and it's um, it's getting it. They kind of got in some hot water because they were. I don't want to say refusing to send review copies to a lot of, you know, gaming outlets because uh-huh. they basically were like, if you're not going to review it well, we're not going to send it to you early. And that's a warning sign, right? right. To me, it is. I mean, oh, for sure. And it's just tough. Um, you know, and I don't want to say that for sure. Cause I, I only heard that in a couple of places, but I mean, it's reviewing decently well and people seem to be enjoying it. Yeah. Especially people who just are all about this game. Well, that's and, what I worry about is how much are you going to ride that nostalgia train mm-hmm. into oblivion before you realize the wheels are broken. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, Obviously, I love all the stuff that I played for a long time, and I'm willing to give that stuff more of the benefit of a doubt than a brand new title. Right. Absolutely. Right? So it's worrisome to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there will be, I'll definitely be bringing that up again as I get deeper into Borderlands 3. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Definitely circle back to this with BJ. I'm interested to hear your thoughts later on. Yeah, for sure. Um, so some other things happened this week. Um, <laughs> there is a Colonel Sanders dating sim that has come to Steam on PC. Oh heck yeah! Like Colonel Sanders, as in Kentucky Fried Chicken. Colonel Sanders getting getting chicks. Is that what the deal is? Uh, I'm not really sure. Okay. I think you're trying to date Colonel Sanders, like you as the character. Oh yeah, he's the prize. He's the prize. Well, who's the backup to Colonel Sanders? Uh, is think, it like the McDonald's clown, Burger King? I think there's other characters, but I think it's all pretty much KFC. Oh, okay. So it's like their brand. Their brand. Um, my so brand. Private Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, who else do you get? But I mean, it's it's funny because it's, if you look up pictures of it, it's like an anime dating sim. They made Colonel Sanders anime. Oh, my God. Look it up right now. That's what I'm doing, man. Typing away. <laughs> it's kind of insane. Um, it's just popped up on Steam. A lot of people have been like sharing it on Twitter and talking about it. Um, do you find a picture? Yeah, a finger-looking-good dating simulator. <laughs> what? A, oh, no. Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah. And it's just as sexualized as some of the anime, anime is. Oh, for sure. 
It's not like anime fat Colonel Sanders. It's anime like hunky Colonel Sanders. Yeah, with the ner- nerdy yet masculine glasses. Yes. The strong jawline. Very much. Um, right, riding a salt shaker into the distance. Oh, my goodness. Oh. <laughs> What's the... Um, Oh, I can't believe I forget his name. Speaking of anime, what's the guy that we love on My Hero? Who's the class president? Oh, what's uh, his name? Deku? No. Oh, the, uh, oh, uh, oh, the guy who shakes his arms yeah. literally all the time. <laughs> my brain broke. I yeah. forgot his name. Anyway, his my, my the very similar too. masculine glasses that he wears. Yeah, yeah. And some people can pull that off and some people cannot. Right. But I think Carl Sanders is pulling it off. All right. Let's look up this gentleman's name. Um, yeah, Deku's the main character. I'm like, I watched it with you when we binged it that week. Yeah. One year ago. And then I haven't watched it since. So my, I've done a, I think I've done, I did my watch, the watch with you. And then I watched it with my brother. So I've done three watches. Three. Yeah. It was good. Tenya Ida. Oh, Ida. There we go. I can't think of his name. Um, so in other news, Ash Ketchum. Via Pokemon, the anime, has finally won the Pokemon League. Is that the island series? This is the Alolan... Alolan Island, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. At, modeled after Pokemon Sun and Moon. Right. He, after 20 years, has won the Pokemon League. Um, <laughs> this has been a long time coming. Yeah. And I'm kind of sad that it's in this one that I'm not super down with the art style. Oh, you don't like it? Um, it's a, I, it I, looks super different. Yeah, I watched a couple v- episodes. It's very different. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm i ambivalent. I'm not against it. Oh, right. I mean, But it's uh, just uh, not the same. Oh, right. Know, it's same. not the same. Um, I mean, it's good for Ash. And it was really funny because there were so many major news networks reporting this, like CNN. <laughs> Fox. I think I saw it on Sports Center. Yeah. I retweeted Sports Center tweeting about it. <laughs> it was insane. Um, moving right along, uh, the Nintendo Switch has a new workout game coming. It's called Ring Fit Adventure. Um, All right, what is that? It is a. You take the two Joy Cons from the Switch, one goes in this circular. Um, basically a ring. It's like, it's about the circumference of a basketball. Uh And then the other Joy-Con gets strapped to your leg. And it's almost like an adventure game that you play while working out with these things. Um, Hmm. I think it's very much going to be, cause you know, the, Wii had the, Wii fit with the balance board. Right. Um, I think that this is going to be much more like engaging and not, and not because it's going to be having you doing things while working out. Right. I think the main premise of workout games in general is just to distract you from working from the out the fact that, yeah, you're working out crap, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then you forget cause something cool happens in five minutes pass and you're like, thank goodness. Oh yeah. You know, I'd forgotten. So, I forgot that I was working out. I um, forgot how much this sucks. Yeah. You know? so, I'm interested to see what kind of comes out of that. And if people say it's any good or not, look, anything that comes out to help people get in better shape, I'm all for. Nintendo's all about yeah. it, man. Yeah, and I respect the heck out of them for it. I yeah. really do. You remember when we were on our road trip when Pokemon Go was the craze? We yeah, would just man. go to parks in different cities that we were going through, and it's just full of people. Yeah, have you mentioned that trip before on this? Or? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. Ben and I, a couple years ago, went on a road trip all around the 
entire country starting in Georgia up to the Dakotas, all the way across to Oregon, yep. down California, and then all the way back yep. <laughs> straight and across. A ton of national parks, nearly got killed by meth dealers in Wyoming. Yep. It was great. It was insane. I, I, I got lost in that coyote trail. In oh, yeah. Canyon, and yep. then it was getting dark and I couldn't find my way back. Yep. Tent um, was like 98 degrees. Yeah, so hot. My Sle- goodness. It's like sleeping on hot air. It was yeah. awful. But it was a night, you know, the thing about Pokemon Go that I love so much about that trip is our trip was predicated on nature. Right. We were doing national parks. That's what we were all about. But we were still able to game out in nature. Mm-hmm. And it was just completely seamless and it felt right. It didn't feel like we were forcing video games on this. Yeah. It became a part of our trip and really added to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I vividly remember running in San Francisco along the coastline. And I was catching a ton of water types, and they had, they had matched the type to the geographic location, and I thought that was the coolest thing. Oh, I ran honey. like eight miles, and I wasn't in that good shape, but I just could not stop running because I had to catch them all. <laughs> you know, I had to catch. That's the point yeah. of the game. Yeah, yeah. But like, I never understood the mantra on like a personal level like that until then. Until then, yeah, it was just incredible, and everybody else was doing it at the same time. Yeah, you know, I knew it too. Like this girl ran by me on her phone. I was like, "You playing Pokemon?" She's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like one night one of the nights that stuck out to me most was oh I don't I think we were in Arizona maybe but we went to like this park at night it was like 10:30 Yeah yeah wait, no, we were, that was California Oh California yeah, yeah. still in California yeah. yeah um it was a smaller town though Yeah it was like um, but it was like well, not small but you know that enough big enough to have a, a large park um and I mean it was just Cause we had like had dinner and had drinks and like the only thing left to do was just like hang out. So we're like, Oh, let's go see what's around. And so we just went to this part. I mean, it's just packed full of people. Packed man. Packed. I mean, and it was like nighttime and families were out there with their kids and everybody's having a good time. And like, no, it was not like, and people were talking to each other, which was crazy. Like, I like that part about the most, I think. Yeah. How it's much just, it brought that community together. It was right. And it was just like, really cool to see because it's like if you went to a park and there's a bunch of people fresno there. by the way fresno yeah. that's where we were pulled up the itinerary i see yeah man <laughs> um it was a great time man yeah man uh i, I think for those like frequently. listening to this uh pokemon go is still very active in college communities mm-hmm. um if people have left the game and they want to get back into it still very active there's facebook groups you know i'm from athens georgia and there's still a very active Facebook group for Pokemon Go. So if anybody's thinking about getting back into it, the opportunity is still there to this day. Oh, for sure. So. I've I still like I I go in waves. Like I'll just play it religiously for like a month. Yeah. And then just like stop and then I'll get back into it. Um it's I mean there's even here in the middle of nowhere there's a Facebook group for po- people who Are play you Pokemon. Serious? Yeah, I swear. Oh my goodness. I was in it for a little while. That's crazy. It was, man. It was awesome. Um and I feel like there's, you know, anything to bring people together. Yeah. And like get out and do stuff. Yeah, and that's one of the few games that does that with you in person with somebody else. Right. It's you people know? you just would have never like met probably. Yeah. Or even or, or or took the time to talk to. Yeah. You know. Well, I think it's safe to say we like Pokemon. Oh yeah. <laughs> um yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh moving on with the news, the last um the last like big story I have, Kingdom Hearts three is getting a DLC. Uh, Remind is the name of the DLC. Uh, Kingdom Hearts loves their re colon whatever <laughs> um, in their naming conventions, just like everything else in Kingdom Hearts is convoluted. <laughs> hey, 
Um, I can't. BJ will be very excited to talk about that when he gets back. Um, Ben's not so much the key. I'm not. A, I'm not. I really am not. I mean, like I never got into it as a kid, mm-hmm. and then I read the reviews on the most recent one that y'all all played. Yeah, and the reviews made it look like it stunk. I think, and BJ and I talked about this a lot in one of our previous episodes. We really just sat down. We're like, we're talking about Kingdom Hearts. Like that's yeah. like what we did. Um, and it was, it was good. There wasn't enough other stuff besides Disney that and, and we've talked Fair. to you about this. Yeah. I, I feel like I have at least. Um, but there were also some great things. I mean, like obviously I liked it. I'm like two trophies away from the platinum. Like, yes, yeah, so obviously I enjoyed yeah. myself. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the only reason that I like even got that close is because one of the hardest things is to get, um, or one of the most te- one a very tedious thing is like to get this, one of the special items you need to, um, forge like this, the best weapon in the game. Uh-huh. And you have to like mail these like postcards and like you get something in return every time you do it. And it's totally random. Like everything has like a percentage of this really low percentage to get this item. I got it on like the second postcard. I was like, sweet. Yeah, that's nice. I got really lucky. Um, so yeah, that helped to get me towards those trophies. But like the last one is like a gummy ship mission, which is like basically like a aerial combat style thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just like totally, it's been in it since the first game, but it's like totally just like what is happening. <laughs> um, right. It's totally so far removed. And I love doing gummy ship stuff because you just build all these ships and like the more you level up, the more you can do to them and all this stuff. But sounds like a cool mechanic. It is, and I really enjoyed it. It's because it's just comp- it is a very huge differentiation from what the, that game is. It's right. just like a game within the game. Right. But the the last trophy I have to get is like defeat like basically the hardest boss in like the gummy like universe like space mm-hmm. basically what it is. It's just just stupid hard. Well, best of luck, man. I know. I haven't. I haven't even thought about that until somebody was talking about the DLC and I'm like, I'm like one trophy away from the platinum. <laughs> hey, now it's back in your brain. And I've like watched gods and stuff, but at the same time, it's, you know, difficult <laughs> to, to think about going back to easy like, to watch hard to do. Oh, for sure. Um, and the last thing we wanted to drop was just some other games of September. Um, some that are already out gears five. Yep. Getting, Mixed reviews. I yeah, think. I was just on Steam, and like the approval rate from the user base was fifty three percent. Several of the reviews were like, "We like this game now. It feels like the old Gears games with the same weight, you know, and mm-hmm. movement that you had." And I've seen a couple review videos on it. And it does look like it has similar mechanics. It's got a much larger scope than any other Gears game that's come before it, which brings me to why I think there's been so many mixed reviews. Right. Um, They're saying they can't recommend the current version of the game, but after patches come out, they definitely could. Right. So it seems to be a work in progress type thing. Mm -hmm. Which is not a bad thing. It means that there's substance there that they're enjoying. Just fix some minor things. Well, you know, it gets back to what's become the paradigm in video games. And I don't know if y'all talked about this yet or not, and this may not be the episode to do it on, but the standard now is to release unfinished video games and then patch them up to oh for sure i mean what when have you gotten a game and not have a day one patch yeah in the past three to five years i can't tell you you yeah exactly so um 
That's definitely a topic for another day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Let's not. Let's not. <laughs> we'll have to have you back on, and all three of us can definitely get. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have a fun time in that discussion. Um, another game that's come out, Greedfall. That came out on the tenth. Yeah. Uh, so Greedfall, I really like it. Um, it's like a colonial style um, era game that's a shooter, but also has melee mechanics, um, and it's like almost whether you're going to be a part of a genocide or not, because the colonials have invaded this island filled with elves and other magical creatures. And the question is, do you fight alongside the elves to fight off the colonial forces, or do you side side with the colonial people and just kill a bunch of folks, you know? Oh, right. So I think this is saying something about the about the uh, Britons coming into America. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely seems allegorical to that (laughs) that or an analogy, I guess, but, um, it's a unique setting, a unique theme, and I'd really like to get my hands on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard people describe this um, in other podcasts I've listened to um, as more of a uh, double A game instead of a triple A title. And I'm always pro getting smaller games out there. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, I think there's definitely room in the market. You don't have to be this big, super polished blockbuster game to be out there and show like right. There are and not necessarily indie either. Somewhere in between indie and AAA. Right. Um, what I would say is like what I'm looking for is a passion project. Right. You know whether that's a platformer or an RPG, something that I know that a group of people like put blood, sweat, and tears into. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, you just feel it in some games. Mm-hmm. You know. And you don't have to be the biggest organization to make that game. Oh, right. In fact, you're off the knot, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, speaking of that, and I haven't brought this up to you yet, and I didn't know if you had seen this or not, but a free update for Celeste has come out. Oh, my. Um, yeah, a, speaking a, a, of fav- a favorite of yours. Yeah, man. Oh, man. A hundred new levels. No for way. Free. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're like, I know what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. Um Gosh, yeah, Celeste was such a good game. Oh my god, it was so. It was it's like a metaphor for anxiety almost, mm-hmm. and overcoming that and working through it. Um, there's an entire mechanic in the game where the main character times her breathing to the floating of a feather to decrease her anxiety. Mm-hmm. So it's as much of a journey through difficult levels as it is a metamorphosis of your character to understand a different side of herself, which is materialized as a potential antagonist in the game. Right. So like, it's just an incredible journey for the protagonist where she's literally climbing to a summit physically, but emotionally she's overcoming so much. Mm-hmm. And like, you're taking on this journey with her. Right. And sometimes like when I'm stressed in the OR or in the hospital with patients to this day, I still think about that feather and that breathing technique. Right. I mean, incredible game. Loved it. I cannot wait to get my hands on these new levels. Oh, honestly. yeah. So. I like heard that. I did seen it on Twitter and I'd heard people talk about it. I'm like, oh, I don't think Ben knows about this. No, I don't. I, I hadn't heard it. Because so. <laughs> you hadn't brought it up to me, so I figured no, you No, yeah. Well, the other thing, like, everyone needs to know is, you know, usually my head is under a rock in a medical textbook, and then Griffin will yank up the rock and yell under there, like, there's this cool thing going on. Like, come out for a second. <laughs> and that's how I figure that stuff out. It's usually through Griffin. So, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then last game uh, coming up in September we wanted to talk about, which leads in our topic for the week, um, is Surge 2 coming out on September 24th. 
Yes. Um, so Surge 2 is what some may call a Soulsborne style game. Yes. And that is our topic this week because I've wanted to do this for a while because there is this whole genre of game that I'm fascinated by but am so bad at that I just can't describe. You haven't gotten good yet? No. Get good? And the entire philosophy of get good um, surrounding these Soulsborne style games has just eluded me. And Ben has really enjoyed a lot of these style of games right. due to my failure. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I'm the first one of these games that I wanted to get into was bloodborne. I saw a lot of stuff. It was PlayStation exclusive. I was like, this is it. Here we go. And like the guy, the game stop was like, you ever played with these before? And I was like, Nope. And he's like, good luck. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, I made it to the cleric beast died a couple times said, I'm done playing this game. Yeah. <laughs> and gave it to Ben. And, and that's then that's how I got introduced to <laughs> yeah. Soulsborne stuff is is because of that. Griffin pulled up the rock and literally threw Bloodborne at me, you know, <laughs> and then put the rock back down. I was like, it's okay, an, I'll play this. And yeah. it's an interesting concept. The reason I wanted to talk about this is because I'm fast I love the lore behind Bloodborne. Right. I love the communities that surround these games. The good ones, not the toxic ones. Sure. Um and, and I love watching people speed run these games. How many times have you and I sat down and watched the Bloodborne speed run? Oh, I mean, I would say at least five times. And it's like you know. long, you know? Yeah, the one we usually watch is an hour and a half. I forget the runner who did it. And, um, and I don't even, it might be, somebody might have broken his record at this point, but he's just really enjoyable to watch. So that's the one I like to watch. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I wanted to talk about this because the topic of what's a game that you're fascinated with, but are just terrible and can't play or, or just don't, you know, you don't play this game, but you're fascinated by it. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about now that you're here. Right. So tell us, why do you love these games? (laughs) Sure, man. And I was just looking up something real quick while you're finishing that. There is a guy who's done nearly every Soulsborne game from beginning to end without taking a single hit. Oh, and all of his stuff's I, on YouTube. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's Faraz Khan. Yeah. Yeah, F-A-R-A-A-Z Khan, K-H-A-N. Incredible stuff. But as far as like getting into a game that other people don't connect with, but you do, and how it's its own subculture and subgenre. Right. Um, I would have never gotten into it without you, so I owe you for that, first off. Um, and then secondly, you kind of have to understand what it is before you can appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And I think in the gaming media nowadays, it's a term that's thrown around all the time. Right. And it doesn't mean what we thought it meant anymore. Right. I was watching a um, September top 10 new games thing today on YouTube. And the um, commentator on that used Soulsborne as an adjective to describe four of the 10 video games. Oh, wow. So is everything Soulsborne? Right. You know, I like think people just like saying that. Right. Because it gives this weight to a video game. Mm-hmm. But in order to understand why it gives you weight, you have to understand what Soulsborne means to begin with. So. Right. Like, why is this such a, a cultural touchstone where now you say it and anybody who is even somewhat immersed in gaming culture knows what you were talking about. Right. Right. So let's get into it, shall we? <laughs> shall we? Um 
so starting out, I guess the the I'd like to talk about I guess the initial themes that permeate all of Soulsborne games. Yeah, Demon Souls, Dark Souls one through three, Bloodborne and Sekiro, mm-hmm. you know, being the primary ones I'm considering here. I, I don't know if they've made any others. Those <laughs> right. are the ones I'm aware of. Yeah. You know? um, and I think that's what, uh, from software, you know, if you, it all has, has to connect back to that. So. Right, right. So, so Soulsborne is related to specifically from software and its head writer, uh, Hedetaki Miyazaki, um, and their genre that they've created that now people are latching onto and building off of. Right. And that genre is specifically a game that's, you know, checkpoint based, whether it's a fire, um, bonfire area for Dark Souls or a lamp um, for Bloodborne, is a checkpoint area based game that's not a looter, that's very hard, very difficult, where you really use death as a learning tool. You're expected to die to learn how the enemy works to progress. Right. Which a lot of people don't get, which is why they usually rage quit the game too quickly. And give it to their best friend. <laughs> right. And, and thank you again. You know. And then you unlock new portions of the map by beating bosses. Right. And that's really the fundamentals of it. So, so that, that's kind of getting down to the gameplay aspect. Mm-hmm. Now, today, the colloquialized term for Soulsborne is any difficult game. Right. That may or may not include melee. That's unforgiving and potentially checkpoint based. Mm-hmm. Now, a whole nother aspect to what Soulsborne means beyond gameplay is the approach to storytelling that Miyazaki uses mm-hmm. that is incredibly unique. And I, I read a Guardian article like a long time ago, and I remembered it today when I was doing a little research. And I looked it up again, and, uh, you know, the, Miyazaki wasn't the best reader as a child, but he loved to read. So he'd read these books that were above his level. Right. And he would, you know, understand a portion of it, read that, and then skip two pages because he couldn't understand it, then understand the next portion. Oh, wow. And he would have to bridge those gaps in prose with his own imagination. And that's really how he tells his stories, Mm -hmm. is he gives you a book with half to two-thirds of the pages ripped out. And it's your job to connect the dots. So you can either approach that as an individual or within this Soulsborne community that's incredible mm-hmm. with all these people constantly looking at item descriptions or hidden factoids to piece together what's going on. So in summation, their storytelling is we're not going to give anything away. We're not going to beat you over the head with information. you got to figure out yourself. Right. And usually you're figuring it out with a group of people on the Internet you've never met before. And you connect with and learn from. Exactly. It's incredible. I mean, I read the whole Pale Blood Hunt thesis, which is a 90-page document on the lore of Bloodborne. Good gracious. I mean, this one guy sat down, and that could have gotten him a PhD, but he wrote it about Bloodborne. <laughs> right. You know, that it, make it have a doctorate. It's incredible. <laughs> you know, And I love that. That's one of my favorite things about the game. So, yes, it is the checkpoint-based hard play style, but it's also all of the lore and the community filling those gaps between the missing pages that Miyazaki ripped out of the book. Right. You know. So those are the two things I would say that define Soulsborne to me. Oh, absolutely. And I think that those are two very good points that, in consideration, you know, we shouldn't be (laughs) throwing around the term for every, you know, set. what do you say, four out of the ten games that were coming out in September? Right, right. You know? That's just too much. And granted, 
there are a lot of people that do that style of game well that aren't from software. Neo, for instance. Right. Um, I know that you and one of our friends, Josh, really enjoyed that game. Right, right. And it was like the pre-Sekiro almost. Cause it was right, that, it really was. Um, the fundamental difference between Neo um, and Sekiro is Neo is much more of a, a, a loot game. Right, um, and you got new armor and all this right. cool stuff. Constantly and upgrading and changing, um, almost like a you know Destiny Two style loot system. Right, um, on top of the traditional checkpoint based, unforgiving bosses mm-hmm. style. Right. Um. So so why did you put the game down? I put the game down because I am very much someone who likes to be rewarded. Right. <laughs> I guess in gaming. And or someone who is very interested in story. Right. And that is the antithesis of what you just said about Bloodborne. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, the okay. story, which now I've watched so many lore videos, like people talking through all of the bosses of Bloodborne, why they came to be, you know, how they got there, things like that, because it is so interesting to me. But when I was playing it, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. Right. <laughs> I was like, why am I getting a blood transfusion and then getting attacked by a, a werewolf? With no weapon. <laughs> with no weapon. <laughs> Who I'm like, in my mind thinking, I have to beat this guy with my fist. I'm punching him and he's not, I'm not doing any damage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's just the way my brain works around video games. Right. When in, in actuality you are supposed to get killed by that werewolf. Right, to learn from it. Right, because then you go into like was like the little dream world yeah, and you get your weapon and right. you get your gun and right. blah, blah, blah. And in my mind, I'm like, I can't beat the werewolf. Like, I, I couldn't get past that. Sure, sure. Um, and, you know, I, the, I didn't, I really should have stuck it out, but, you know, I put it down after the couple of fights of the Cleric Beast because I'm like, I don't, and it's just like, I don't know if this is for me. Right. You know, super interesting, but right. I just don't, I don't know how long I could devote myself to this because it's just so different than what I'm used to playing. Right. And used to putting my time to and getting enjoyment out of. Right. And, and it is, I mean, it, it is the antithesis of a button smasher. Right. And it doesn't give you anything. It doesn't right. give you the story and mm-hmm. it doesn't give you the satisfaction. You have to earn both. Right. You know, and, and that can wind up being work for somebody who's trying to have a relaxing night. Oh, not right. frustrated. Exactly. With I leisure mean, and entertainment. It's not that, you know, <laughs> no, it's not. So that being said, I've never had the same amount of immersion in any world than I have specifically in Bloodborne. That is my favorite Mm-hmm. Soulsborne game primarily because it's so um, predicated on the aggressive nature in which you have to attack people. Right. You know, the, the health system is if you take a hit, you have a second or two to hit the, uh, the enemy back to regain what health is about to be lost. Mm-hmm. So it really helps to stay in the pocket, as right. me and Josh say. Yeah. Like as close to the enemy as possible. Everything in your mind is telling you to run away in fear but you stay in the pocket. That's just the rule. Right. And it's almost a great life lesson. You know? like, <laughs> oh, right. You don't run away. <laughs> don't you run stay away. in the pocket. You know, <laughs> don't turn your back on the enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, stay in there. And it's just so. very different from, you know, we, we, we put all these games in a bubble souls born because Bloodborne and, and dark souls, but there's the, the game styles between those is so different. Yeah. Yeah. Like, gosh, 
so I I still haven't played the early Dark Souls games right. because it's very hard for me to go back from Bloodborne to that because in many ways Bloodborne was an evolution from those games. Right. The style of play is faster. Um, you know, everything's more aggressive. Whereas mm-hmm. in Dark Souls, a lot of it's about dodging and picking your openings and hitting this giant beast and it's right pinky toe 2,000 times until it dies. Right. You know, and after going into Bloodborne where you have to stay in the pocket, right? Right, exactly. I don't want to hit the dragon's pinky toe 5,000 times. I want to get in the pocket. Yeah, but then when you do that in a Dark Souls game, you know, smack. (laughs) You're dead. You're like gum on the bottom of the dragon's shoe. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And thinking back, I think my first interaction with these games was um, when we lived in our fraternity house at UGA and our friend David would play these games a lot. Yeah. And I remember I would just go in there and be like, what is this? Yeah. Like, he's like, he's like, it's Dark Souls. I'm like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, that was, I think that was a period of time where I wasn't super in the gaming culture, like keeping up with like new stuff, like what's going on. I was just did what I played with. I enjoyed. We played the crap out of Mario Kart. Heck yeah, man. Um, But I'm just thinking back now. I'm like, wow, that was like, he was really into it. Like, you know, playing these older Dark Souls games and things like that. And I'm like, and I was so far removed. I'm like, what is this game? Right. Like, right. but I just, you know, think that it's such a, I keep saying this is, it is a cultural touchstone now, in my mm-hmm. opinion, I, you know, and I don't know if that's just because of me being, you know, listening to multiple gaming podcasts every week and following all these people on Twitter and, sure. and, and keeping up with the news. I don't know if that's just me or if anybody who's even remotely into games is like, oh yeah, I know what uh, Dark Souls and Bloodborne is. I definitely think it's possible. I mean, it it's become the new definition of a hard game, right? Right. When somebody tries to say hard game, they insert Dark Souls-esque. Right. You know, because they think that that sounds better. Than hard you know? game. But... It's just missing the point of what the game is. Right? right. Like, yes, it's hard, but just like you said, it's, it's not hard for the sake of being hard. It's hard because it's teaching you how to overcome these obstacles. Right. And, and that's why people, especially young men get so immersed in it, mm-hmm. you know, cause for anybody who's down in their luck or feels like they haven't accomplished anything, everybody sucks. I mean, they're not any good at this game when they start. Oh, right. But then they get good. Right. You know? That's where it's, the get good yeah. has come from. It's not like I'm always good. At, like, I got there. You right. Know? I earned the right to be that good. You and know? I wasn't really planning on having this conversation right now, but um, I've just seen some stuff on Twitter that I feel like we should bring it up now. What is your opinion on games with easy modes? Like, should Bloodborne-style games have easy mode? Because things have come out now about um, Hideo Kojima's new game, Death Stranding has a very easy mode. Yeah. And my stance on it is, you know, Dark Souls and Bloodborne have this, have this great history of those are hard games for the reasons that we've already stated. Right. Um, And I feel like so many people are gatekeepers around that. Whereas I would have loved to enjoy those games, just bump the difficulty level down a little bit. And yeah. like, and me selecting that saying, I know that this is not how this game was designed to be played. Right. The normal difficulty of this game should be the hard. 
Sure. You know what I'm saying? It's like if you pick normal, this is what you're getting. What these games have always been, and I feel like there should, in my opinion, there should be something to make it more accessible. And granted, I'm not saying this for me. I'm saying this for people who have disabilities who also love to play video games. Uh-huh. What if you know somebody from Able Gamers is just is an organization who helps people with disabilities. You know learn how to play these games in new ways and do these things that they love to do, but they can't do it normally. Sure. Should there be options for people like that to be able to play these games? It's a great question. Um, I will say that somebody beat dark souls two on a drum kit. Yeah. You know, like there, there have been people who have exhibited incredible, incredible ways to play the game in ridiculous fashion. Exactly. Using a Wii, remote controller steering wheel to beat the game, you know? <laughs> right. Um, when does video game production and consumption move from art to purely a product? Right. Because I view, I view video games, getting back to the previous episode when y'all talked about movies, mm-hmm. as having the highest potential, the highest ceiling, if you will, for art that even exists. Hey, I see you agree with me. You know, without a <laughs> doubt, like the cutscene within a video game is a movie within itself. Right. I mean, it can have a movie and more, mm-hmm. you know, I still view it as art. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, ha- I read this great quote in this book I'm reading on finance, um, yesterday and I'm going to butcher it, but I'll, I'll try to like, <laughs> try to it. try to recall. But it was, sets, it was along the lines of, like, art isn't for everyone, and if it is for everyone, it's no longer art. Right. And I think it should be completely up to the vision of the director. Mm-hmm. If his goal is to have a hard game to show people that they can do something, like, not only Dark Souls, but also Celeste. Right. And, and go about it in any way they want, either by offering you nothing and not helping you at all in Dark Souls, or making it super hard, but continuously encouraging you to move forward like it is in Celeste, they should have every right to do that if they want to. Right. You know, it should be on them. Anytime you place an overarching, automatic, all the way through rule on something as diverse as video game culture... Absolutely. You're making a mistake, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Now, should as many people have access to the game as they can? Absolutely. Do I wish that everybody could play these games? Absolutely. But I'm not willing to jeopardize the nature of the art and their vision mm-hmm. just to do that. Right. You know. I and I know. and I agree anytime and this goes for a lot. This doesn't necessarily have to just be video games. Anytime you impose an overarching rule that has to one hundred percent apply to everything within this category, it's all it's, it's us- dangerous. It's, right. It's usually not good. Yeah. Um, it's a very you know generalizable concept to right. me, and it's just such a polarizing thing because I agree with everything you said, and that, you know I've, I I but, but then you're faced with the guy who has no arms who wants to play Dark Souls. Like what? Are right. You supposed to tell like what am guy? I supposed to tell that guy? You, you know? know. And I don't know, <laughs> right. but but I do know that it's art, and if you compromise it, it's no longer what it was originally. Right. So you've just destroyed the original thing. Now, could you imagine starting a Dark or a, a, like a Bloodborne two comes out? And the first screen is like, pick your difficulty. I wouldn't be upset. Yeah. I, I, I would be a little saddened in that it's no longer what it was. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it should be completely up to the person making the piece of art. If that's their decision, 
please go ahead. But if they want to make it specifically the way they've made it, I think that's their right. Right. You know? Oh, it's absolutely not. I would never want to pigeonhole a, a, a video game director or a, or a creator or anything like that to say like, oh no, you have to do it this way. Right. Yeah. Because it, like you said, it is art. Not, you know, shouldn't, I wouldn't want to hold anyone back. Yeah. I feel like we're going to keep circling the argument over. And yeah, over. yeah. 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 So let's move forward. What else you got over there and that all those notes. Yeah, so it's a lot to put into words what a game means to you emotionally anytime. Oh, right. But especially in this instance. So I'd like to draw upon a uh, YouTube video that I think really hits the nail on the head by a YouTuber named Nakey Jakey. He does like these music videos that I'm not a big fan of, but he does a ton of game reviews that feel like I'm mainlining nostalgia into my veins like heroin. It's <laughs> right. incredible. And, and usually the format for these videos is him literally sitting on a yoga ball in front of a green screen and just editing the heck out of the background and doing all these memes and references and talking about all the games you played when you were a kid. Yeah. I love the series. I recommend it to anybody. But for this video titled Dark Souls Saved My Life, it's just him literally laying in his own bed talking to you it's incredibly intimate mm-hmm. and kind of weird right you know, when you say it out loud yeah because you're like i'm watching this guy talk directly into the camera staring me in my eyes yeah while he's snuggled in bed right uh, it's super strange but i was hooked i was on the same page because i've been through the same thing in a sense and he was you know having a hard time he wasn't in college he wasn't making that much money and to him he went through the process of his brother getting him into Dark Souls, which another fa- uh, is another facet of Dark Souls that we haven't talked about. It's how there's often a mentor system where somebody's persevered mm. through the game, and then they show you how to play it. Right. And for him, it was his older brother. Because um, he himself says, and I quote, it's obscenely obtuse to get into. And I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, take me, for example. I'm like, I want to get into this. And immediately just got rubber banded off of it. Right. And he talks about how he was fighting through depression. The way he talks about it, I don't know if it was clinical depression, probably the blues, you know, just down from being in that situation. And he talks about the unparalleled sense of pride and satisfaction he got from beating infamous bosses throughout the series. And it was a sense of pride that was... And he was embarrassed to say it, but I'm not. I mean, some of the bosses I've beaten Bloodborne, they're some of the proudest moments I've had in my life. And, like, a game did that. Right. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, so to have him say it out loud kind of put it in my mind that I felt the same way. And that's wild, you know. Yeah. Heck, I'm going to be a doctor in nine months, and I'm saying a Bloodborne boss is one of my greatest accomplishments. (laughs) You know, what the heck? Yeah. You know, is that (laughs) wild? Putting that on paper... It's just, who would believe that? Right, but that's what the game did, and that's what you felt like you accomplished, and that was the feeling you got, and that's why it was absolutely and is amazing to me. Right. And to him. Um, he, he mentioned a lot about how, you know, him being awful at the beginning and then actually becoming good gave him a sense of control over his life that he was able to extrapolate to other areas. Which is huge. Right, which is, you know, something that very few things can do, let alone a video game. Right. So that's why I wanted to bring up that video, because I think it encompasses what these games mean to other people and myself. Right. 
So good. This, yeah. is, this is why I wanted to talk about this because it's, it's something that so many people have such a strong passion for. Yeah. And it's just something that I'm so interested in, but just kind of completely bounced off of. Right. Hey, if it's art, it's not for everybody. Oh, right? for sure. And if it is for everybody, it's not art. Yeah. So, um, let's see. Let me talk real quick on like overarching themes of it just to of give course. people context because we talked a lot about it, but we haven't really talked about what it is atmospherically mm-hmm. and thematically. Right. So, all of these games draw a lot of their source material from H.P. Lovecraft and the Great Ones and the sense of cosmic horror or cosmic disturbance, really the fear of the unknown. Right. Um, there's multiple levels in several of the games that are fishing hamlets that are basically plucked out of the fishing hamlet book written by Lovecraft. I don't know the title of that book off the top of my head, but it's like literally yanked from it. And there's several instances throughout all of the games that are that way. Even up to Sekiro, there's a, there's a similar village in that. Um, but they all play off that cosmic horror dealing often with a species trying to reach the next step of evolution or greatness. Right. And Bloodborne, they're trying to use either insight or blood itself to try to progress mankind to the next state of being, mm-hmm. or if not godhood. It's a very common theme throughout these. Right. And there's this, there's a through thread and theme with Sekiro as well with immortality. So, you know, if you know all those things, in a sense, you know what you're going to get sometimes. Right. But the game is heavily curated where the maps are interwoven and connected in ways you can never imagine. Um, upon these themes as well. Mm-hmm. So it just feels like every single square inch of the game was really thought out, which is nice. Right. It's just so... It's just like they just have their own just different style of world building that you don't really see in some other games and other Right, nothing's and, procedurally generated. Everything right, was very planned out meticulously. Mm-hmm. And... You know, going back to that Nakey Jakey video, he talks about coming back to Firelink Shrine in Dark mm-hmm. Soul in a Dark Souls game, and that sense of, oh my goodness, I'm back here. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I like, went around the world, and I'm, you know, yeah, I'm like how did back. I get back? Here? Yeah, and then and then it, it all clicks in your mind. Oh my goodness, everything's connected, and every game has that feeling. Mm-hmm. And you'll go from a place at the very end of the game and fall back into a place at the beginning and it's just this sense of connectedness, but also extreme progression because it immediately juxtaposes where you had gotten to, to where you were. And I think it's a great mechanic for that reason. Absolutely. So, you know, it definitely can go back to what you're saying before is being, you know, powerful enough to impact your life outside of the video game and say, you know, I need to look back at where I've been and where I am now and, Right. Really look at the journey and, and the steps that I've taken to get here. Right. And another incredibly useful thing outside of video games to do. Mm-hmm. You know? So good. What else you got? You're the one that brought all the notes this week. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> for those listening, I had the day off, so I was just, you know, hiking and working out and looking at some lore videos. So it's, <laughs> it's a good day. 
Do you want to go and talk about the new uh, Soulsborne shooter game? Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that for a minute. Okay. Um, so we're talking about Remnant from the Ashes. Uh, multiple reviewers have called it Bloodborne with Guns. Right. Which, after seeing the gameplay, I think is pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any of the gameplay? Yeah, I've seen the gameplay. Okay. And I agree. I mean, it's when I see that, I go, okay. Yeah, yeah like, I, I get it. Yeah. You know? um, but... And I told you I was going to do this. So I'm going to do it. Uh, IGN's review, I was like, oh, my God. Come on, guys. They go, it's a Soulsborne game with shooting and first-person sh- – or, sorry, uh, third-person shooter. And it's a, a looter shooter. And then the next line, they say, but, man, they could really increase their loot. Right. Which means it's not a looter shooter. Exactly. <laughs> when at the same time we – we, you know, the same month that Borderlands Three comes out with right. a billion guys, that's a looter. Like Clearly, you know, like, yes, like you are getting loot from yeah. these people, and you're calling it Soulsborne esque. Which another facet of that is it is not heavy on loot, and all of the items are hidden throughout the map, or um, achieved or acquired after beating a boss. So you either find it in a hidden location, or you get it when you kill a boss. And it's the same way in this game, you know, but they just see that it's procedurally generated third person shooter and automatically it's a looter shooter. Right. But then when it's not, they're confused by that. Mm-hmm. You know, if I were to label your dog a cat, you know, I'd be very disappointed. Right. You know, or your cat a dog. Right. Exactly. So imagine if I Linus, your cat, I was like, that's a dog. That's the worst dog I've ever seen. You know, he just ran away from me. I told him to sit, and he ran away from me. You know, or he threw up on the floor. Did oh, right, things, he did a cat thing, you know? which all happened today. Right. You know, <laughs> if I called your cat a dog, it would be the worst dog ever. Right. And, and no crap. You know. So that's what they're doing, and I was just very disappointed. You know. Oh, for in sure. That review. I mean, IGN in their illustrious reviews. Yeah. What was it, Wind Waker? They said too much water. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the most famous. Yeah, I, they're a little hanging fruit to make fun of, you know. Yeah. And I, I didn't plan on talking about that, but it was just so blatant I couldn't help. But right, one sentence later needs more loot. Then yeah. it's why I call it a looter shooter. If just some people drop loot. Right. You know. If only the bosses do. But anyway, so how is it different from Soulsborne? Yeah. It's procedurally generated maps, Mm -hmm. so it's not going to have that same curated every inch is thought out and put there for a reason appeal that all of the Soulsborne's games have. But the huge bonus with that is there's incredible replayability. Right. Because the campaign is never going to be exactly the same each time. Mm -hmm. And it's also got a big co-op component, which is great. We talked about in the same podcast how co-op is going way of the dodo potentially. Right. But this is a game that is bucking that trend, which I love. Mm-hmm. Problem is, is if I'm level 20, you're level 20. I don't even know what their leveling system is, but just bear with me hypothetically. Right. And we play through three bosses on my console. Mm-hmm. You have to go back and replay and all it. three of those bosses on yours, which stinks. Right. Which so. I think that Borderlands does that well because it's carrying over, correct? Right. Um, you know, I just... I just really wish like games would say, yeah, I wish they would uh, put more time into their co-op if they're going to have it and say, you know, this is going to carry over. Right. 
Because it really makes me want to go, I don't know if I want to do that. Because that means I have to just do it again. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I Frankly, I don't remember whether Borderlands you have to go back and replay or not. I mean, we'll figure it out at some point if you get the game. <laughs> well, well, that's what I'm saying is it makes me realize that every time I play that game, it's been a couch co-op session with you or Kless where we basically played the entire game together. Right. You know, over a couple of days mm-hmm. on the couch. So I, I don't remember going back and finishing the game on my own ever. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, I'd... that's how important the couch co-op is to me. Oh, for yeah. sure. Like, so. uh, kind of like when Borderlands 3 was like, like really hyped up. I think this was after like E3 or something. I, you know, redownloaded uh, Borderlands 2 and was playing through that. And I was like, this is a different experience. Yeah. <laughs> like playing this by myself. Yeah. I it's mean, still me, fun, yeah. but. Well, it's amazing how much your friends add to any game you play. Oh, to anything. Which is why I'm so glad that these newer games, you know, are ta- are, are are really taking advantage of that in, in story mode and yeah. saying, "We're giving you the opportunity to enjoy this with your friends." Yeah, I would love for more games to have co-op. Yeah, me too. And I think everybody says that, and I think everybody says couch co-op too. But like I said, financial motivators right, right. more consoles are sold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's also, I mean, let's be honest, it's easier. For two adult men to play together at separate houses. Oh yeah, I mean, we're in our late twenties. What the heck are we doing? Yeah, I know. Just, I, I'm up in the middle of nowhere, Virginia, drinking beer with my homie, playing video games like we're eighteen. You know, I know this is rare, but rare, heck? rare. But we want more couch co-op. Yeah, let's take advantage of it. I don't know. I want. But what about the younger gamers? What right, about the exactly. eighteen to twenty-two year olds? I think there needs to be a resurgence of I'm coming to your house and we're gonna play this game together. Oh, I'd love that. I would love that. You know, I, I this guy in my medical school gave me his N64. Yeah. And I, I kept on reminding him that I had it. I wound up borrowing it, quote unquote, for two years because he just never picked it up. Right. I can't tell you the number of Fridays my classmates in med school come over to play Smash. Right. You know, it's just a great I mean, great it's experience. just like, kind of going back to the fraternity house, I know I mentioned this earlier, and I mean, there was a period of like three months where every day people would come into our room and play Mario Kart, Double yeah. Dash. I mean, and there was like blood feuds. Oh, absolutely. And it was just so, it's such a communal thing. Yeah. To get everybody together. Now, think about it now. If everybody, if every one of those guys had a Nintendo Switch and we all played online, it wouldn't be the same. No, not at all. All those guys hooting and hollering in the same room. Yeah. Plus, I mean, Frankly, we're playing beer cart where you'd have to drink a beer before finishing the race. So well, that, that was that was at night. I'm talking about after class. Not, we are- oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but like you know, that wouldn't work in a different room. It's like, oh yeah, I'm definitely drinking my beer. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> it's like, no, you're not. You're driving, you idiot. Yeah, yeah. no drinking and driving, listeners. Oh, remember for that. Sure. No drinking and driving <laughs> in beer cart and real life. Yes. Um, but I just think that. Yeah, this has turned into a pro couch co-op episode too, but yeah, bonus, um, I guess. But which Bloodborne is not a couch co-op? No, at all. it's not. I, this is yeah. snuck in here somehow. Uh, <laughs> I think a hey, bonus material. You're exactly. welcome, folks. Oh, hi Cam. My dog's making noise. Um, yeah, I think that you know, I think there's a great opportunity for more couch co-op. Yeah, games like that. So, and not saying that the new Mario Kart is a couch co-op. I just you know, because right. it is. I mean, you could play all in the same room, but it's just tough. 
briefly on co-op and, and Bloodborne or, you know, Dark yeah, Souls. Yeah, Dark Souls. Um, because you can. You can bring people into your game. Right. It's just like usually it's anonymous. Right. And they may try to kill you or they may try to help you. I know. It's right? tough. And uh, in that same article I was reading about um, from the writer of those games, he was in this um, iced over hill and, and a bunch of cars came together to push other cars up the hill. Yeah. But then everybody went their separate ways and nobody met anybody else. Mm-hmm. But there was this unspoken level of cooperation to get over that hill together that stuck with him, which is interwoven into the Soulsborne games where a lot of the times you're with somebody you've never met, but boy, are you trying to beat that boss together? Yeah. You know, and that's incredible. Oh, for sure. You know, know, and it's, you know, and I've seen YouTube videos where people talk about the different types of people that come into the Dark Souls games. Like you'll have like the mentor, the guy who's played through that game 10 times and is coming into your game saying, this is how you play this game. Right. You know, and and that's such a cool concept. Right. Yeah. Did you ever play uh, the, I, I think it's indie or either it's a small company, Journey? Oh, it's Dude. the same thing because you never yes. actually meet those people. Dude, I did Journey in one night. Like yeah, I just man. sat and finished Journey. Yeah, man. It's incredible. But it's the same concept. Like You don't know who that person is, but you just come together on your journey, literally. And it's just crazy because it's not like a loading screen somebody pops in. I just remember there, all of a sudden there was another person right, there right. that just like ran in off screen. And I'm like, is this... And this is much... After the game came out, it was free on PlayStation Plus. Right. And so I downloaded it, which I'm sure a lot of other people did that too. So that's how that person was in there. But um, it was just incredible because I was like, wait a minute, that's another person. Yeah. Because you notice like how they're moving around. You're like, that's not how an AI would move around. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And there there was a moment where uh, one of uh, my fellow players like got up onto this ledge, but waited on me. Oh, right. To get up like, they could have kept going. Right. I never met. And then there was another moment on the same playthrough where I don't think it was the same person. I think it was somebody else who got taken out by a bad guy. And, like, my heart sank. I did not know what to do. <laughs> I know, because you're like, you know? if I wait here, do they come back? Right. You're it, like, what? It was, it was at a part of the game where I couldn't really pause. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I, yeah. I couldn't hang out. Yeah. I get killed, too, so I had to keep going. But I was just like crying. Ooh, you know? You're like, I just had to leave that guy there <laughs> who I've been going through this game with. When I played that game like two years ago. I still think about that. Oh, right. <laughs> Leaving that yeah. guy behind. I mean, it's, it's, or girl. You never know. Right? Yeah. Guy I mean, or it's girl. Just, so, you know. Oh, man. We have talked a lot about everything. Yeah, man. And uh, this has been super enjoyable, and I've really enjoyed having you on. Um, Happy to be here, man. Any f- parting words for our listeners? Uh, love your neighbor. I love it. Love you. All right. Um, <laughs> well gang thanks for listening um, hopefully BJ will be back soon uh, we're still going to figure that out now that he has a newborn in his household so uh, keep up with us on Twitter at the best palcast you can listen to us on Spotify Stitcher iTunes wherever you listen to your podcast and if you don't find us wherever let us know we'll try to get there um, everybody have a fantastic week and we'll hopefully be back with you next week see you guys bye